You're listening to the Hammersley Brothers Podcast. If you'd like to get started with three of our best tools, see the link in the show notes. They're free and video training is included. Hello and welcome to the Hammersley Brothers e-commerce podcast. This week, we're trying to dive into what it's all about in e-commerce and trying to remove the myth about one size fits all, trying to remove some of the confusing metrics that get bounded about to try and help you understand exactly what we're trying to do and why and who we're actually competing against and understanding the business we're actually trying to run and how to be successful at that. So without further ado, let's get started. Hello, Ian. How are you? Hello, Mark. I'm all right. How are you? I'm good. Here you on a nice holiday in your in Aberstock. How's the weather been? It's it's well, I'm, it's been good. Very nice. No, you you can't say that because everybody thinks I'm working. Oh, I see. Sorry, I say, you've been working. I said I'm in a meeting. So if I don't respond to your email, I'm in a meeting. I'm on a conference. Well, but no, I'm on holiday. Say, who's to say you can't be in a meeting <laughs> on the beach? I think if it's, it's true, if it's sunny weather in Aberystwyth, you've got to make use of use of it. Really, it's uh, you do actually. Limited. Do you know what I've just done? I've just yeah. I've just been paddleboarding at oh, wow. uh, with all the kids. With I've got three girls, three daughters, India, Tallulah, and Harriet, and I've been paddleboarding tonight. It's been good till um about eight o'clock in wow. the sea with no wetsuits. Wow, that's that's crazy. It's so usually so cold. Is it still cold when you get in? Uh, no, or... the sea's warm. Wow. Tea's warm. Wow. Yeah, it's nice. It's just been a nice... I mean, it's obviously freezing outside, but the sea's warm. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Well... No, it's lovely. It's been just, you know, those those lovely summer evenings, the British summer evenings, it's lovely. Well, well done. Uh, Glad to know that it's um, bloody cold here. um, Yeah. Yeah. So... Good. It's all good. I like that. Anyway, we... um, we wanted to sort out. I mean, I, this is this podcast is going to be about an article I'm writing, and the reason I'm writing an article is because, first of all, um, I'm going to update the book. I'm going to do the, the new edition of the book at some point. So I've been writing some articles in the Facebook group, and I like to get people's feedback on different things and different concepts. And one of the articles is on what it's all about, and I think it it, it comes from a lot of the the messages I. I hear from you know other other e-commerce experts and things like that, and some of them kind of annoy me because I think that like they they just misdirect. I, th- I think at the time, so I wanted to kind of have like a kind of article and discussion today about what it was all about and what it's not about, and if we can hopefully clear up some of the confusion around um, some of the things that people are hearing in the market a little bit, then then so be it. And let's see let's see where it goes. I mean, I've sent you the mm. kind of the base of the article, Ian. So you, you can see that. And I was just yeah. kind of talking through it. Um, well, I read it. I read it. I read it this evening. Um, so I'll ask, let me ask you a question, if I can. Yeah. That you said, why why do you why do you get frustrated with other information? You know, what is it? Because I hear this a lot. I tell you what, and I'm not going to blow smoke up up us or anything. But what I hear a lot when people actually contact us is they say. Like they've they've been in e-commerce for I don't know ten ten fifteen years and been trying to find 
constantly listening to different people and trying to find people that they actually can resonate with and things and people that actually say things that they go, yes, that's so true. That's how I feel. And they, people often say that by the time they contact me or you. They say, I've listened to so many people and when I listen to you, I've found that it made you made so much sense that you were that you were you were you know you were really telling it how it was. Um, maybe that's just because that's the people that contact us. Yeah, that's what else I was thinking. Like, nah. like, so the, the rubbish. People, the people that listen to us think we're rubbish. They disappear. That you you kind of like the yeah. only people that get through the. Uh, it's like getting through the. It's like having a sieve, isn't it? And saying <laughs> all the sand is really fine. It's like well, it's the only the bit. It's only the bit that gets through the sieve. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. So, that so, but why do you let, let me ask you that question then? Yeah. yeah. So, why do you feel why do you feel that some of the other e-commerce people annoy you? Like, because I'm sure they're great. Like, why they why do they annoy you? What is it? And it's probably the sub. It's just the me- I think it's the marketing message that annoys you. Well, it wasn't necessarily it? that they annoy me. It wasn't necessarily that they annoy me. And I I think that you know, like we can't work with everybody, and you know, we, there's there's only a limited amount amount of people we can work with. So there's there's a huge industry out there, and there's lots of good people out there who people need to work with. But I think that I don't like it when I can see that other people are getting confused by some messaging, and I think that that that's. You know, it's unnecessary suffering, isn't it? Which is which isn't good. So, um, like for example, there was there was there was a there was some people out there, and they were saying, "Oh, it's all about these these three numbers, or it's all about this one number, and it's all about this." And um, one of the numbers was uh, frequency. So it's like the number of times a customer orders in a year. Um, you know, it's like obviously, yeah, try and get that up, try and get your repeat purchase frequency up. And then I was thinking, well, I've worked with businesses and you you have too like selling gifts and gifts tend to be one hit wonders people tend to buy a gift for somebody and then they don't come back or someone selling wedding dresses and you know that those people sell one wedding dress and that's what they do and these businesses thrive there's there's many thriving gift businesses there's many thriving wedding dress businesses and there's many thriving other types of businesses that only ever sell once so, you know, if they came to e-commerce and tried to learn and then, they, they, you know, there was someone saying, look, you've just got to get your customer, uh, you know, your customer frequency up. It's very confusing because it's like it doesn't mean anything to them at all. And so, you know, that I, th- I think that trying to fit and it's what we always say is this one, one size fits all kind of methodology to um, to any business. It, it, it can get more confusing rather than less confusing. Um so I talk, so I talk it's very tempting. The... Well, I'll say, oh, yeah, I'll just, well, I'll just summarise it. But I, mean, I think, I, th- I think it's, it's extremely, um, effective. I think, um, and it's, it's because you know, if you're in e-commerce, you, you're sort of hunting around for like the answers, aren't you? Yeah. You know, you're hunting. You desperately want the answer, and it, also you want to feel like that formula is the answer to growing the e-commerce business you kind of find you know you, that's what you that's what you want and 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 if you think you found it and if you're told that you found it you know you think oh my god this is it this is it i've been i've been floundering around for the last 10 years and now i've now i've you know somebody's told me it's you know it's 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 x plus b plus y mm. you know and i'm like great and now now it's all clear and obviously it isn't and i think and it, i think you know from our being critical of our own um messages sometimes w- earlier on you know when we were 
you know, when we first wrote the book. I mean, well, when did we write the book? First, 2000... first 2018 was when the first, first book first came out. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think the first podcast we did, we talked a lot about breaking down conversion rate, add to basket, basket, checkout, checkout to order. And, um, and I think in, in, you know, in some respects, that's what we became known for initially was breaking down the conversion rate into those three. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, it's very useful, very, very useful to break down the conversion rate into those three add to basket, basket, checkout, checkout to order and, and to put a stat on it. But also, well, what the hell do you do with that? You know, yeah. like in the same thing you're saying about, well, it's about frequency. Well, obviously, frequency is important. It's a factor. But how the hell do you increase your frequency and how the hell do you increase your add to basket if it is lower? Um, so it isn't just about the, the, the numbers. And I think probably the, the biggest change that we've well, focus that we've had in the last probably couple of years has been on the psychology of e-commerce. I think yeah. the psychology piece of actually getting in, getting in the head of where the customer is when they first discover you, and I think that's the biggest, the biggest change. Well, anyway, you you carry on if you want. Yeah, it was just when we first came out. We, you know, we came out with the add to basket, and people said, "Well, what should the add to basket stat with?" And we kind of said, you know, we were forced to kind of put a number out there, and we said, "Oh, eleven percent." But that was like really, that was only really normal for like a business, you know, that had a decent amount of repeat business, a certain average order value and all that kind of stuff. And so it's, you, you kind of like when, you, when you're out there, you're forced to put these numbers out there and, you, and it kind of oversimplifies it, doesn't it? And like, you know, for someone selling furniture, yeah. that would be unrealistic. And for someone selling, you know. Um, you don't need, you know, if your average order value is really high, you know, yeah. you don't need and add a basket of 11% to grow. Well, you're just never you know, going you to get it unless you just and, kind of completely yeah. close the shop and down to just people who and want it to would buy. Be, and it would also be the wrong thing to focus incessantly on that. that yeah. Because there'd be, other, there'd be other, there'd be the other things that would be, you know, more lucrative. Yeah. You know, but it, it, having said all that, it's still incredibly useful for people to actually know what a typical stat is. You know, what yeah. is the ad? You know, we, so we said 11% add to basket, 55% basket to checkout, and 84% checkout to order. So it's still really useful to know that's the average that we it would is. expect. It but is. it's an average based on, let's say, you know, £100 average order value and a lifetime customer value of 1.2 times a year. Well, when I you came know, so through it's, it, it's, when I came through the article at the end of it, I said, well, what is it? What is actually it? it, it is it? And it really... It, it comes down to what you've got. So basically, you know, how much it costs a cost, how much it costs for you to acquire a customer and how much profit you get out of that customer overall. And that's the same for any business, regardless of e-commerce. So, you know, if, if I can get a customer, if I can acquire a customer for less than the profit I get out of the customer, I have a business. If I can't do that, I don't have a business. So effectively, it's like, a money printing machine where you put in $10 on the left left slot and out of the other slot on the backside, you might get $100 out. Um, that's a good business. You're putting $10 in, you're getting $100 out. And when my 15-year-old son asked me how much he should spend on marketing for his print-on-demand business, I said, look, if you had a, if you had a, a money machine and you put $10 in and you got $100 out, how much money would you put in that machine? And he says, well, I'd put as much money into that machine as possible you know there's, there's your answer but if you put ten dollars into that machine oops, 
Sorry about that. Warren Stein's um, the most unprofessional podcasting. It's a, it's a um, it's a blood sugar monitor, and it's really um, annoying because this one's re- it's just been rubbish. This one, and it's just been telling me all sorts of rubbish. So it's been going off. So that's what that was. Anyway, so the money machine. The money machine, it's like say you put $10 in the money machine and you get $9 out. How much money would, would you put in that money machine? You put nothing in it, would you? You wouldn't, you wouldn't do it. So ultimately, every business is a, a, a money machine where you're putting a certain, certain amount of money in at the moment and certain money out at the end of it. And how much you have to pay for a customer will massively affect what, what, what profit you, you, you print out at the end. So if you go to a market and sell you know, uh, men's shirts, for example, you're competing with other people selling men's shirts and their money machines will affect how successful you are. So if their money machine can pay a higher price for a customer and get more profit out, then then you're going to lose. So it really comes down to, yes, frequency, customers, average order value, things like that are important, but it's only important in the market against people you are competing against. So if you go and say, oh, you know, add to basket should be 11%, but if you're selling furniture, everybody coming to that market is selling the same products. And, and you just have to have slightly better metrics than someone else. So take the bedding site that we, we launched. We've seen enough bedding sites to understand that, you know, a good add to basket rate was about uh, 10%. Uh, a good basket to order rate was about 35%. A good average order value was about £100 in this case, and a lifetime customer value was uh, was a good uh, purchase per year, was 1.2, right? So we're coming into that market knowing those stats. And then if we want to be the whale in the market, which is, you know, we always call the big the big player is, is the whale, and in any market, you've probably got 90% of, 90, well, maybe 80% of the revenue going to, three or four big players. They're called the whales. And then the, the 20% uh, of, of the revenue is kind of fought over by the minnows, the crowd, which is 95% of the, the e-commerce sites. So you have to go into that, that market wanting to be a whale. And if you, you shouldn't go into a market if you don't think you can be a whale. And, that, and, and if you're thinking about it, if you don't think you can be a whale in your market, you should choose. You should refine down to a to a narrower narrower niche. And so basically, you could be a whale in a small pond is better than being being a minnow in an ocean because you're just going to get eaten alive. Mm-hmm. So you always want to be thinking about how can I dominate this niche? How can I dominate you know this market? It's funny and, how and... the I just say it's funny how it's changed because if you go back, I mean, obviously the analogy we always, if, if ever e-commerce starts start to get confusing, you always reference it to physical bricks and mortar retail store. So, you know, what, what used to happen before the internet came along is that you could be a little hardware store in a town or a little village. Um, and you could do quite well because you've got a monopoly on that town. And yeah. so you didn't really have to do anything different than the, um, you know, than the other hardware store that was 20 miles away in a different town. You just had to just be, you know, average and you would, you would, you know, you would do a well, mm. do okay. But imagine if every shop in that village was a hardware store, you'd have to really work hard to try yeah. to find 
the the, the differentiator where how you can get people to come back because obviously you're fighting that's what online is like because you know you can you can discover thousands of other competitors who are just like you yeah um, within the flick of a mouse so that's why that's why it's very different that's why you can't take the same offline approach to online yeah so if you're in that town like what you've got the hardware store the only hardware store in oxford for example you're 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 the whale you're the whale in the pond because mm. you've got the market you you're in the market whereas online if everybody every single store in oxford is a hardware store you have to specialize because you want to dominate that market and you go well i'm going to just do damp proofing i'm going to be the damp proofing specialist for people's houses and if anyone's got a problem with damp proofing they come to me because i've got everything else and I'm just going to beat everybody else because they're just generalists, you know. So you become. Or actually, you'd, or you'd, yeah, but you might say I'm going to recruit just to put it, to take it back to online because we might mm. say we're going to recruit, we're going to focus heavily on recruiting damp-proof products, and that's yeah. where we're going to spend our money, and we're going to make that really good recruitment, and then the retention that we're not going to spend any money recruiting on, we're not going to advertise, becomes all the other ancillary products that go with it. Yeah. To get, so, the, to get the average order value up. So easy to have the noise uh, noise in the business as well. Like I was speaking to someone who sells painting supplies uh, earlier this week, and you know he's going to really focus down on just the brushes because he makes good money on the brushes, and he's just going to get rid of all the other noise in the business. And he's going to focus his attention on that. Anyway, coming back mm. to the bedding, the bedding site. So we know that we know the benchmarks for across everything. We know everybody, all the money machines that are coming to the market in Google Google Ads. We know what they're metrics are and then in order to become the whale you only have to do better in one of those metrics than everybody else so in e-commerce it's a bit like some other industries like it's not quite as skewed as as, as the music industry where something like one percent of the artists in the music industry take 60 percent of the money you know that's really skewed in football it's around I think it's around 10% of the top footballers take 80% of the money. So I got it written down somewhere. Um, but effectively, it, I know it, what you it, mean. Yeah, it becomes like yeah. it, it, but e-commerce is a bit like that. So you, like, even if you've got like, let's say everything else is the same as everybody else's, but in our betting site, instead of 1.2 times a year, they, they buy 1.4 times a year. So that's like a 10% increase ish on lifetime custom value. That thin edge, that thin advantage could mean that we would be able to just pay slightly more than everybody else in the auctions and therefore we'd be able to dominate. Mm. So what we're looking for is a slight edge over everybody else. And you know, with our betting yeah. store, we've done very well because we know one of those is actually better than Everybody else's one of those metrics, and, and I was just—I just say—I just just go into one point a bit because because what you said there is is really really important. You said the reason why we want a slight edge in one of those metrics is is because it allows us to be more aggressive with our ad budgets than everybody else, and we know that if we get if we if we can if we can be more aggressive with our ad budgets because our metrics are better. You know, we can outbid the competitors, so they'll be paying. You know, they'll be operating at the you know the lowest they could go might be a you know three times return on ad spend for a new customer recruitment, but we might be able to go to a two times, you know, return yeah. on ad spend. And the lower the row, the easier it is. The more the, you know, the doors 
if we had a, if we had a physical doors on a shop, we'd be able to open the doors wider and we'd be able mm. to open for longer. You know, we'd be able to open from eight o'clock in the morning until ten o'clock at night, um, whereas everyone else can only afford to open from ten o'clock in the morning until four o'clock in the in the afternoon. Mm. So, because our metrics are big, because our customers are worth more to us, we can afford to open longer. It's exactly the same in terms of the online auction. Auction. Yeah. And what was that? Um, there was an analogy that we that we were talking about. It's a joke, actually, isn't it? Where there's there's two guys who were sat in a tree, and there's a lion at the bottom of the tree, and they're like, yeah, working out what to do in the you know the, and um, one one guy turns to the other one and he and he says, you know, what right? What are we going to do? You know, we we can't we both we can't outrun a lion. And the guy turns around to him and says, I don't need we do, we don't need to outrun a lion. I just need to outrun you. Yeah. And it's 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 really apparent here. It's relevant to what we're saying, isn't it? That that actually, you know, you don't need to. You just need to just outrun that one per that one other business. Yeah, you know, so you don't need to get you. You might not need to get an add to basket rate of eleven percent because in your mm. market the 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 add to basket rate might be about two percent. If you got four percent, you're absolutely doubling it and you're absolutely killing it. It really yeah. comes down to like who you are competing against because both Facebook ads and Google ads and the other ads they're all auctions you are bidding against the other people and if nobody bids for that traffic then it obviously the cost of it goes down but if but it, it, it comes down to what people are willing to pay for that traffic and so I think that the confusion comes when like this is this is this is what I wrote about in the article and I mean I don't know if you remember when we were at primary school we um, there was a headmaster called mr. Lloyd and he used to tell me about these blindfolded men who would been asked to describe an elephant and you know that depending on what part they touched that the part of the elephant they touched they, they thought the elephant was a completely different thing so the you know the person that touched the trunk thought the elephant was a snake and you know the person took the touched the side of the elephant thought the elephant was a whale you know that's just completely different and i think that e-commerce you get someone who's had an success with one model of e-commerce um and they think all e-commerce is the same as that and therefore they try to apply those things to other e-commerce sites and we've seen this a lot with with corporate level where we've seen an e-commerce manager come in from a different business and proceed to try and implement some of the things that they you know there was one guy who came from a very very successful e-commerce business like really really big you know the name if i said it said about it but it was it was selling own brand products it was selling their own brand clothing uh, very successful for many years he was hired by um, one of our clients to come in as the e-commerce manager uh, for another brand that sold other people's products and he thought that that model was going to be you know he knew knew what he was doing he'd seen that e-commerce model and within about three years he'd actually uh, uh, made that business or less, yeah, I made it go bankrupt. Yeah, and much to our horror, because the trouble is, once once sometimes they, they hire an e-commerce manager, that they, they obviously they, you know, we get locked out sometimes because they don't listen to us, and we, even if we say, well, that's that's a silly idea, but it was just we've seen that quite a lot, in in that someone will have one model and they'll think that they can bring that model to yeah. another thing, and it's it's like it's really it's, dangerous. 
it's like let's let's take athletics because that's been on the telly recently. It's like saying someone who's an absolute champion vo- uh, javelin coach coming to the hundred meters and just trying to use the same training methods for for the hundred meters. It doesn't make sense, does it? If you're selling clothing and you're coming to sell other people's kitchenware in this case, it's just a completely different market. It's a completely different kettle of fish. It's a completely different set of what people are going to afford to pay for customers, how you recruit them, and and different things. Now, the trouble is with people listening to this, maybe we're making it more confusing. But what I'm trying to say to people is that it comes down to how much you can pay for a customer, how much profit you get out for the customer, and really whether or not you are getting more profit out of the customer than someone else who's coming well, to the same you know what, well, I was going to say, I think I was going to ask you, I was going to put you on the spot a little bit, because because what was what you're saying is is correct, but what the hell what the hell does an e-commerce owner do? Okay, so we're saying that you don't have to, you know, you don't have to get your ads basket from six percent to eleven percent. You just have to make it, make it a couple of percent better. Well, where, you know, how do you know what your competitors are doing? You know, well, is that possible? We know because well, we've we've seen thousands, but. But how do we, what would you say someone listening well, like, to this should like, do with this information? The, the thing is, this is the, inf- like, I've seen this happen quite a lot. There was a guy, there was a guy that um, used to work for Trade Me, and he used to run all the ads for Trade Me, and he had the inside information on Trade Me, this was years ago, about what, Trade Me, by the way, in New Zealand is eBay. eBay. We don't have, you don't have eBay here. So um, he, he knew exactly what was selling on Trade Me, down to the category and what was really trending. He took that information and went to set up an e-commerce business. And he was selling weird things that you didn't really match together. But he did amazingly well because he knew this information. So the more you can find the information about what you're trying to, the market you're trying to compete in, the better. Now, obviously, you can't rock up to a competitor and say, well, what are you, what are you doing for this? But you can go and find someone who sold a business like yours. You know, find someone who has run a business like yours, sold a business like, like, like yours, and ask them, how much did it cost to recruit a customer? How many times do people buy a year? What's the average order value? You know, ask them. You know, maybe your agency has worked with a competitor. Now, they won't know. The typical agencies don't tend to know cost of customer. They know cost of customer. They don't know margins, product margins. They don't know how many people buy. They'll tend to just know how much it typically takes to to cost how much costs to buy a customer so you could ask them that you could talk to an ex-employee of somebody who's worked for um for, you know what for i'll say i think just yeah. even even a more obvious thing than that i think people who are listening to this who are an e-commerce owner let's say you're you know you're selling bloody you know replacement fridge parts or you know or whatever the hell you're selling fashion clothes watches sunglasses it doesn't matter You'll know who the big boys are in yeah. your industry. You will know. Like, if you don't know, you know, you really need to ask yourself why you don't know. But I think yeah. you will. Because, you know, if we asked if we asked any of our e-commerce businesses who were in our programs, we always say, I, the first question I always ask them, right, who, who's, who's the big guys in the industry? You know, who yeah. are we competing against? Who are we going to steal market share off? You know, yeah. who, who should we be going and looking at? And they know them, they, 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 you know, without even thinking, you know, they go, oh, it's such and such, you know, there's six of them, bang, 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 bang. So they know, they know who the bigger players are. And, 
They know what they know. They know who's dominating them on Google Shopping. They know whose ads are coming up against. They know there's mm. always they always these bloody competitors are always there. They're always competing. You know they're always there, and you know so the answer's there. So I would I what I would do is go and make sure that you sign up to all of your competitors' emails. You know yeah. if you haven't already. I mean you should you should, you should we've said that before. But you know when they're going into sale, when they're coming off sale, what promos they're doing, how often they're emailing. You know, are they doing like it's bank? It was bank holiday weekend last weekend. You know, what do they do? You know, you should you should really be monitoring that and getting a picture of what of what what emails they're doing, and looking at their Google Ads, for example, looking at their images that they're using, looking at the 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 title products, they're upselling. They're obviously their um, their delivery charges, their warranty, their guarantee. They're upselling their average order value process. Whether or not they've got any cross selling things like that. What all the first customer emails are? Go and buy something. Go and buy something from your competitors, and I think you find out loads of what the big guys are doing in your industry. And that's I what I would do. As I think to, also for, for on, a, on a basic level. Also, though, like with the bedding site, we didn't necessarily go in knowing. We kind of had an idea of those those KPIs, but as soon as we'd been in the market for four or five months. We knew how people bought bedding. We knew how often they bought bedding again. We we knew the yeah. fundamentals because well we an... leaned we leaned into what was naturally happening, didn't yeah. we? We could see yeah. what people wanted, and we gave them more of it. And we started to split test. And each yeah. time we had a split test that that got a good result, we leaned further into that split test. So we knew it was about leveraging quality desirability convincability with trust trust and yeah. credibility with an offer and it was kind of like and we just made those things bigger you are like it is like you like blindfolded and feeling the elephant at first and you feel the trunk and you go well that's okay there and what else is here you just explore the whole elephant don't you like you you explore the whole market and you go well okay this is what people are willing to to pay this is what we're having to pay in google this is what we're having to this is this is the conversion rate in the site you know how do we make this profitable and we go well i think I think that probably we could get the average order value up because we're not doing anything with that. You know, that's going to give us an extra 20%. Okay, let's, the lifetime customer value at the moment is pretty low and our average order value is pretty low. So if we get those both up by 20%, that means we're going to be making this much profit at the end. It's, it's that kind of discussion. And I think that it's, it's, not, it's not really about the same thing for every business because... I think that's one thing that the target sheet always does for us is we put it on the target sheet and then you go because you, what you're looking for is the easiest way to scale the business. That's what you're looking for. You don't really care because it's like you don't want to kind of go, oh, it's these three numbers and you just always work on those three numbers because it's maybe not those three numbers. It might be just one number. Mm. And it's like water running down the hill. The water running down the hill, it finds the easiest path with less resistance. And that's what you try and do. You just go, look, this is, they're not doing anything for average order value. There's no quick upsell. There's nothing here. There's no purchase versus upsell. That's going to give us an extra 10, 15%. Look, gosh, if we got that, that means the ROAS goes up by 15%, which means mm. we can pay a higher cost per click than everybody else. And suddenly we're scaling again. Like I was very much looking at that company we're talking about um, before the call, the, the, the company that's in the UK and America doing feminine products. Yeah. And, like you look at their Google Ads account and you go, well, 
you know, you could move things around and you could maybe get a little bit of efficiency help here. But in order to get this working, you have to do things outside of the account because, you know, you, you, a, a good agency could come along to some ads and maybe maybe improve the performance by 20, 25 percent, 30 percent, something like that. But not like triple it or or quadruple the performance. Mm. You know, it's 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 got to be somewhere something coming from somewhere else. And that comes from. You know that the other fundamentals, doesn't it? Which, which is where 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 yeah. you're, you're going. Average order value bundling, lifting customer value, really. Yeah, and and yeah. also the offer architecture, the conversion rate is. You know, they're not yeah. selling the story properly. The site's poor. Balance I'm looking massive. for the the weakest you know. lever, the weakest lever that I can lift up. So it's the lever within the lever. So like, the, the, as I was looking at that business, I was like, oh gosh, you actually your click through rate's really low. Why is your click through rate really low? Because the click through rate affects the cost per click, and the cost per click affects the ROAS, and it affects everything. And I was like, oh, you haven't got product reviews on your um, your products. And they go, oh, well, we should have product reviews on your products, but you haven't. They've disappeared, so your click through rate's gone down. You know, and your images aren't aren't as good. You know, see, it's and but like I wouldn't have that conversation with maybe fifty different e-commerce sites. It was just because that was the lowest hanging, easy to push metric, which really affected that market they were in that they were going to because that was where that was where I was going to make the difference so it, mm. it's kind of like like I, I, if it's anything it's understanding your own elephant isn't it it's understand your own elephant and realizing that someone else's elephant might be slightly different than yours and everybody in your market is feeling the same elephant to some degree and they know what their elephant is and that's you know what? what you've got to get in I'm going to come back to the. I know I'm going to come back to the analogy that you used. It wasn't an analogy. It was a statement that you said um, a few months ago, and I've I've said it loads, and I keep saying it loads, and I've said it on the podcast. Is that you know, the reality is you're going to grow by stealing market share of somebody else. Yeah. You know, you're you're. It's very unlikely that your product is going to create new demand. You know that demand is normally already there. And yeah. those customers are buying from somebody else and you've got to stop them buying from somebody else. So you're going to grow by stealing market share. And once you know that, you know that we're saying you're going to grow by stealing market share. I firm, firmly believe that is the best piece of advice. And once you know that, you then go out into your market and you say, well, who would I buy from? Would yeah. I buy from me? You know, probably not. Why wouldn't I? Well, because my my returns policy isn't good enough. Isn't is you know my delivery is more expensive. My product isn't good. It's not packaged as well. Like, go and ask yourself that question: Who am mm. I going to steal market share off, and why? Why would people come and buy from me? Yeah, and yeah. that's a very interesting question because when people come onto the twenty k core, I ask them that question: So why people buy from you rather than anybody else? And they they. 90% of the time, they mention things that are internal inside the company that they believe would make people buy from yeah. them, but aren't actually ex displayed externally. So they'll go, well, we're a family, we're mm. a business, so people can trust us. And it's like, well, uh, if, I, if you're not demonstrating that on the business, how do they find out? So you basically, well, once they, once they buy something from us, then they find it out. And it's like, well, that's not how you sell things, is it? You don't keep things secret until they buy something and then reveal that you're a really good customer. That's not, that's not how you do it. Mm. And, and so you have to have that clear 
message. And if you can't, like if, if you're going against people in your industry and they're really huge, don't hit them full on, you know, with the, with the bedding site, which you can't keep coming back to. We started off with one of the duvet covers was a kind of checked duvet cover, wasn't it? A light check with a, yeah. um, a, a cover. And, and that just sold yeah. like hotcakes. We were the only one in the market that had that kind of duvet cover and it was popular. And that was really what got us lifted into Google's eyes to say, look, these guys occasionally have some good products. I'm going to go and start putting them in front of uh, some better searches. And it was, it was, you know, we didn't come up like the big people with white bedding at the beginning because Google's like, well, I've got these people who spend thousands and thousands of pounds a, a month on, on with me on bed, a white bed. I'm not going to give them a crack at that. I'm going to give them a crack at the, the flanking strategies, the flanking markets where um, I haven't really got many good mm. products. And also those big players point, aren't actually. really focused. Yeah, it is a good point, actually, because we've said this before that, you know, the default thing on Shopify particularly, but but on all product or e-commerce platforms is that the entire product catalogue goes in your shopping feed, like all of it. And actually, mm. that might be a complete disaster if you're going into a new market you know, you're better off focusing on possibly, you know, one or two categories and really doing a good job and doing that market square test that we talk about in the past. Yeah. You know, going and saying, okay, let's, you know, rather than putting the 5,000 products we've got, I'm going to focus on, you know, these 200. I'm going to go out and do a load of research. Who are we coming up against? You know, who are we competing? Who would we, who would we buy from? Why? really get that right and then and then expand from there yeah do it that way and you're just looking for a ticket you're looking for a ticket to the next stage mm. aren't you a little wedge a, door wedge a little wedge and then you can then you can come in and and, and you can expand from there and you often find that someone who's successful in a niche and do really well in that niche they tend to start getting asked to do other things outside of that niche that's just the way it happens this happens with all sorts of businesses like now, because we've dom not dominated, because we've established ourselves as uh, as experts in e-commerce, people now ring me up and ask me to do lead gen businesses and um, also, you know, like all sorts of different types of websites because they go, well, if, if he's got expertise there, then he, he must be good at this. And it's like, it doesn't really translate in that, but that's what people think. If they think if they're good at that, they'll also be good at this. And you, that, you can use that to expand. As long as it's along the lines of the branding, and I was talking to someone else about this the other day. It was like when I used to do some work for, um, uh, you know, the Stanley Tools, and they mm. came to me when I was at university and they did a project and said, "Look, can you come up with some products we could use the existing tools at the Sheffield factory to do it?" And which was impossible because you, you couldn't use those um, the, the blades that they're using those those flick knives. Um, for anything else but what they did after that is they then realized that the stanley tool brand was was associated with sturdiness so they took that sturdiness brand and started doing toolboxes and um you know uh, all, sorts for, things, yeah. all sorts of things and they took that because everybody went oh stanley tools equals sturdy anything product that that needs to be sturdy stanley tools can make and that's that's where the brand went whereas if, if stanley tools have started to make paintbrushes well not paint but paintbrushes might still work but like something like uh, if they started to do flowers flower arranging wouldn't make sense would it it's not brand extension because no. people don't believe stanley tools are beautiful you know 
So it, it was, it, you can, you dominate your niche, you get good at your niche, and then you work out what your customers see you for and what they believe you can do. And then you expand around that. Well, hopefully that was, that was helpful. Um, they were rambling cool. one, but um, yeah, yeah. You are on holiday. Well, I'll let you. So. Yeah, exactly. I'll let you just talk. Yeah. Sit back. I've already had a uh, couple of beers. Nice. Quite relaxed. We... <laughs> Joking. Yeah. All right. Well, okay. Cheerio. Thank you for bearing with us, and we'll speak to you next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Mark. Bye. Bye.